Live from Edinburgh, Radio Napier, News. You're listening to EN4 Radio News. I'm Jessica Stark. And I'm Miles Campbell. It's great to have you with us. The time is currently 4pm. Coming up on today's programme... UK's first ever drunk consumption room has been given the green light to open in Glasgow. And today sees the final day of the Unison member strikes, with pupils returning to school tomorrow. Are the Conservative Party getting cold feet on global warming, as Prime Minister Rishi Sunak U-turns on major net zero policies? But first, let's take a look at the rest of today's news. The UK's first drug consumption room has been approved by the Scottish Government. It will be built in Glasgow in an attempt to encourage safe drug use under the supervision of health professionals. The aim of this measure is to lower drug-related deaths. Our reporter Callum McCauley has more on this shortly. More than three quarters of Scotland's schools have shut as Unison members take three days of strike action over pay this week. Our reporter Chloe McDermott gets insight from a support for learning assistant later in the programme. Severe flooding in Greece has damaged roads and homes after continuous heavy rainfall on Wednesday. Just weeks after the country faced deadly storms, the floods are now causing power cuts in the city of Velos and the island of Avia. Just last night, eight villages were evacuated and remaining residents have been warned to stay indoors. The second Republican residential debate took place yesterday. However, Donald Trump was not present and instead held a rally in Michigan for strikes demanding pay increases. The debate considered... Sorry, the debate consisted of chaotic arguments as the other candidates did not hesitate to call the former president out. Beloved actor Sir Michael Gambon, who played as Professor Dumbledore in most of the Harry Potter franchise, has died of pneumonia at the age of 82 in hospital, according to his family. He had a successful career in film, radio and theatre for five decades and was an inspiration to fans all over the world. NHS and council officials have been working together to fight Scotland's drug issues and have have been given the green light to the opening of the UK's first drug consumption room. Our reporter, Callum McCauley, has more. Scottish authorities have approved the UK's first drug consumption room to be built in Glasgow. A drug consumption room, or DCR for short, is a sterilised, safe environment supplied with clean needles, medical equipment and nurses on hand to prevent the risk of overdose. However, drug consumption rooms do not supply any drugs. Activists have campaigned for such facilities to be legalised for years. One of those activists goes by the name of Peter Crycant. Crycant unlawfully started a drug consumption room of his own in Glasgow back in 2020 and we spoke to him about the benefits of a DCR. And these services could do so much, not just to, to support people and keep people alive and give them a, a place of sort of safety and security, but also you know, to support uh, the public in terms of you know, the taxpayer with less blood-borne viruses like hepatitis C and HIV, less discarded equipment on our streets. And of course, more people being able to access support services like housing and health and welfare services. If somebody's in an abandoned building or in an alleyway, you know, they're not going to be able to access some of those core basic services um, that are often the driving force why people end up, you know, drug dependent and in alleyways in the first place. Scotland has the largest amount of drug-related deaths per capita by some distance, and for years the Scottish Government has failed to lower these figures. 
Cry Can't spoke on how consumption rooms can save lives. On an average day over the course of about six hours we could supervise anywhere from 25 to 35 injections. Yeah, there was instance of overdose in, in the facility and also around the facility as well where volunteers responded um, who were operating the service. It was all run voluntarily by myself and a few other people who were involved. Um, and in the event of overdoses, those were all responded to, um, and obviously, you know, we, we didn't see any fatalities. You know, people who did overdose were kept alive. DCRs have been set up in many countries across Europe, with 30 in operation in the Netherlands and 24 in Germany. Following the decision, cities across Scotland are considering setting up consumption rooms of their own. The plans were approved by a board of NHS and council officials and could prove to be a watershed moment for the country in regards to its devastating drug issues. Hamza Youssef spoke in the policy at today's FMQs in Holyrood. I welcome the decision taken yesterday by the Integrated Joint Board, which following the position taken by the Lord Advocate in the Safer Drug Consumption Facility proposal now allows Glasgow to move ahead uh, with this pilot. We've been consistent and our commitment to support the setup of a safer drug consumption facility. With the support of the First Minister, many will hope this is just the beginning for drug consumption rooms in Scotland. Scottish authorities. A number of schools in Scotland remained closed for the third day as Unison members continued to strike in a dispute over pay and conditions. Our education correspondent Chloe McDermott looked further into the issue. Edinburgh Napier Radio Group. Radio. Edinburgh Napier Radio Group. Radio Energy. By the students. For the students. Still to come today, despite concerns raised over water quality within Scotland's wild swimming spots, the First Minister seemed confident in Scottish Water's approach to monitoring sewage levels. Jamie Emmett dives into the issue for us later on. Our reporters Callum Watt and Holly Southwick will round up today's papers, and our sports correspondent Tommy Hondras will bring us the latest in sports news. But first, here's Kyle Campbell with the travel and weather. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. After several days of heavy rain across the centre belt of Scotland, flood alerts have now been issued for Dumfries and Galloway, Dundee, Aberdeen and western central Scotland due to Storm Agnes. Light rain is expected later on in the capital. Temperatures will reach lows of 13 degrees and a high of 15. The Bridge of Teeth, and now, and now the traffic. The Bridge of Teeth on the A84 is currently closed in both directions due to a road traffic collision. Motorists are advised to use the sign diversion in operation. The A90 southbound at Glencars is currently restricted due to emergency roadworks. Motorists are advised to use caution on approach and allow extra time for their journey. Motorists are being warned to approach carefully when driving by Haymarket train station onto Dalry, as there are traffic light failures. That's all from me, I'm Kyle Campbell. Following the Rosebank approval yesterday, our climate editor, John Sean Barry joined us earlier in the studio. Stories have been converging today as Climate Week continues. Really, can you just give us a rundown on what's been going on? 
Uh, this has been a couple of weeks in the making. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak last week in his net zero speech perhaps signposted what was to come over the last few days and, and what critics have called a, a U-turn on net zero commitments. One critic, perhaps louder than, than most, was First Minister Hamza Yusuf, who labelled the U-turn unforgivable. Um, this, of course, was before yesterday's announcement uh, that the proposed Rosebank oil field, set to be the UK's largest, has been approved. And this morning, in another blow to the green agenda, a new proposed wind farm has had to be halted because of a so-called windfall tax on renewable energy. In terms of relevance, how is that looking today and, and in this next coming week? We're heading into autumn. Uh, energy prices are a big concern for people. Um, there's been no let-up to the cost of living crisis. Um, so critics of the, the, the move for this oil field have highlighted that um, while it may add money and revenue to the, the UK Treasury, uh, it, the, the company that have been granted the licence are actually Norwegian listed and most of the oil will be exported. So questions have been raised over whether there's actually a benefit to the British people, particularly in lowering energy bills. Attention could, for instance, be diverted towards renewable energy, which would provide cleaner energy, but also more abundant and cheaper energy. Um, I'm sure a lot of us have been following on from the First Minister's questions today. Um, anything announced there that was noteworthy um, on this topic, since it's such an important week for Scotland? Well, yeah, at First Minister's questions earlier today, First Minister Hamza Yousaf came out bullish in his opposition to Rosebank. Uh, when responding to a question posed by Scottish Greens Minister Mark Ruskell. Yeah, and we can actually hear USAS response now. Instead of showing climate leadership, what we have from the UK government is complete and utter climate denial. And Scotland's future, the North East future, is as the net zero capital. It's not as the oil and gas capital. So while the Conservatives believe in unlimited oil and gas yeah. extraction, yeah. infinite yeah. oil and gas yeah. extraction, yeah. we believe in a greener, more sustainable future for Scotland. And as ever, the Conservatives on this issue, as with many other issues, will be on the wrong side of history, presiding officer. There we are, Yousaf emphasising his stance against uh, the decision, saying there that the UK government will be on the wrong side of history. I guess only time will tell whether that will be the case. A number of stories have been covered. That was Sean Barry on the Climate Change Week updates. We now have a special feature with our reporters Callum Watt and Holly Southwick, who will round up today's newspaper headlines. Hello, yes, we have a quick roundup of what is making the headlines in today's newspaper, so we'll get straight into it. Holly, what is first up? So SNP MSPs have voted to suspend Fergus Ewan following his conflicting beliefs against the party's policies, many of which they're sharing with the Green Party. Um, it's notable to mention at the moment that the Green Party's influence is growing within the Scottish Parliament and the SNPs are aware of their increasing power, so much so that they are willing to suspend one of their own in support of the Green Party. Yeah, so the Scottish Daily Mail carry this on their front page here. We've got the fury of the SNP rebel banished by his own party. They again refer to him as a furious nationalist rebel who stood up against, quote, shambolic SNP policies. So, sure we know what the Daily Mail make of the SNP, but we'll quickly move on. We've got the GB News story here, which came to light on Tuesday evening. Dan Wooten on GB News had Lawrence Fox on as a guest, the ex-actor who made some pretty horrible comments about Ava Santina Evans, who's a political correspondent for Politics Joe. Um, we won't repeat them here, I'm sure you've seen the clip by now, but yeah, pretty pretty disgusting comments. And they've both been suspended by GB News, who have also apologised to Ava Evans, but there's a lot of people calling for more action to be taken from the channel themselves and also the regulator Ofcom, who are investigating. And this is covered in 
pretty much all the newspapers right across the political divide. Yeah, so two of the papers that have covered it are The Guardian and The Daily Mail have both labelled it as misogynistic and vile. Um, that's one of those rare instances when we've got a left and a right-wing newspaper both sharing the same opinion mm. um, on a situation. Um, in other news, an important story from yesterday, a 15-year-old girl died in a horrific um, incident in Croydon where after refusing flowers from her boyfriend, he stabbed her to death um, in the late afternoon. Yeah, that was... yeah in London and Croydon, but it's been covered by newspapers right across the UK, including even the Edinburgh Evening News. It's just, it's like, it's reverberating around the UK just how horrible that was. Um, and obviously, thoughts go out to our family and the, the police chief superintendent put it the the correct way, saying it's every parent's worst nightmare. Um, so that's been covered extensively right across the newspapers. But finally, we've got a wee international story here. Um, we've got Donald Trump, who has been found to have overvalued his assets by a New York court. And Holly, the Scotsmen have put a kilt on it, to coin a phrase. They have. They picked up with the Scottish twist, mentioning his Aberdeenshire Golf Resort, which he's also overvalued as part of his deceiving of the banks regarding the value of his assets. Yeah, so the Scottish golf course amongst his Mar-a-Lago Resort and others in the US that he's overvalued in order to try and dupe the banks and get some financial financial deals. So that about does it for our roundup. Hello. A recent study has found that 50 of Scotland's wild swimming locations are contaminated with sewage. Despite the shocking statistics, First Minister Hamza Yousaf has, remain, has remained calm. Our environmental expert, Jamie Emmett, will bring us more. Scotland is famous for its wild swimming spots and sandy beaches, but water contaminated by sewage isn't one of their usual selling points. Investigative news outlet The Ferret found that more than half of Scotland's designated bathing waters have breached European safety limits for faecal bacteria over the last few months. This comes from their analysis of data from tests by the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency since the start of May. At Lower Laugo Beach in Fife, the concentration of faecal bacteria was at least 50 times the safe limit on three different occasions. Liz Smith, a Conservative MSP for Mid-Scotland and Fife, raised the issue on behalf of her constituents at First Minister's Questions today. Uh, thank you. I'm a bit surprised by that answer, First Minister, because the most recent investigations at Lower Largo in Fife, which tells it that it's the most polluted beach in Scotland, um, it breached the regulations on seven occasions so far in 2023, and on three occasions it was 50 times the contamination limit, which is a very serious health hazard. The First Minister responded that 89% of Scotland's bathing waters currently met water quality standards, with more being rated of good or excellent than ever before. Yet frequent wild swimmers like Steve Oliver have experienced water conditions that are a long way from excellent. I swim in the Tweed quite often um, and have definitely noticed the river is very brown um, but also you quite often get a, a smell in amongst the river. Swimmers like Steve have started taking additional precautions to ensure the water is safe when they swim. So I always avoid swimming if the water levels are high even even before it starts to look brown and I know the brown is what's point the extra that's washing off the hillsides and to some extent even washing off the roads and things yeah. um, but if, even before it gets to that brown stage when the water's high I tend to avoid it 
The First Minister's response to concerns raised today was described as complacent and calls for more and further calls for more frequent checks to ensure water safety are expected. Now here is Tommy Hondras with your latest sports news. The sporting world has been rocked this morning as FC Barcelona have been charged with bribery following the uncovering of payments made to the Vice President of the Technical Committee of Referees across a 17-year period. If found guilty, the Spanish giants could face a ban from European football following the discovery of €7.5 million Euros being paid to companies between 2001 and 2018. Barcelona's President Joan Laporta has claimed the payments were made for consultation work and no wrongdoing took place. Hibs progressed to the Viaplay Cup semi-final last night in a 4-2 victory against St Mirren. Martin Boyle scored a late brace to secure the win for the Hybies and they will be joining their neighbours' hearts in the semi-final. Nick Montgomery praised his side's effort but stated their semi-final is not on his mind at the moment. Meanwhile, along the M8, Livingston were dumped out 4-0 by Rangers. Livy boss David Martindale shared his frustrations with his own side's second-half performance. Um, we kind of lose a wee bit of our shape. We don't stop Barisic for the second ball. It's an easy entry into our box and we're a wee bit more distances are all wrong at that point. Aberdeen will play Hibs in the next round after their 2-1 Viaplay Cup victory against 10-man Ross County. Graham Shinney and Esther Salker sealed the win for the Dons. The Ryder Cup tees off tomorrow as Robert McIntyre readies himself for the biggest week of his career so far. The debutant, who hails from Oban, qualified automatically for the competition and will be hoping to reclaim the crown for Team Europe after their bruising 19-9 defeat to Team USA two years ago. Elsewhere in the tournament, world number two Rory McIlroy has said that he believes those who joined the controversial Saudi-backed Live Golf will miss playing in the Ryder Cup more than Team Europe will miss their absence. This week of all weeks, it's going to hit home with them that, you know, they're not here and... You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna miss being here more than than we're missing them. Dell with the turn of pace, no looks for support. It's Johnny Matthews again. Does he have the pace to get to the line? That is stunning. A first Scotland cap for Johnny Matthews could be on the cards as the Glasgow hooker travelled to Nice following injuries to Dave Sherry, Stuart McAnally, and Fraser Brown. The 30-year-old was on a walk with his dog in Ellie Fife when he received an unexpected call from the Scotland coaches asking him to make the journey. He will be in contention for a place in the Scotland team to face Romania at the weekend. Closer to home, the Scotland women's rugby team hosts Spain at the Edinburgh Rugby Stadium on Saturday. It marks winger Rona Lloyd's first international cap since the World Cup in 2021 and Sarah Boner returns from injury having missed the most recent Six Nations. Head coach Brian Eason describes his selections as preparations for South Africa, a fixture which will be played in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we've looked at a few permutations. We've also looked at some players coming back from injury as well and some players that need game time. So there's a really good mix of you know, some experience, there's some, some, good, some young players coming in and some players who have put their hand up through pre-season as well that have you know, given themselves an opportunity to perform this weekend. Finally, it will be an early wake-up for any Aussie Rules football fans out there as the AFL Grand Final takes place this Saturday. The popular Irish bar Malone's has been granted a special licence for the occasion and will be opening their doors to fans at the unusual time of 5am. We spoke to Frankie, a worker there. We usually get a couple of hundred anyway. Um, we're usually, we like to 
we always try and like to be at capacity, but it is, um, yeah, we're usually pretty full for it, to be honest. A number of schools in Scotland remained closed for the third day as Unison members continued to strike in a dispute over pay and conditions. Our education correspondent Chloe McDermott looked further into the issue. With learning support staff striking across Scotland today, many parents are concerned as to how this will impact their children's education. Suzanne Duffy, a parent working as a support for learning assistant, spoke with me about the struggles she is facing during this time. What is your role in the school and what does it entail? My role in the school is a support for learning assistant and that entails looking after children with additional needs um, of any description, whether it be on the spectrum or just anything at all that they need extra help with. Why have the strikes been called? The strikes for the non-teaching staff have been called purely because the teachers managed to reach a decision with the percentage for the cost of living that they were happy with. Their strikes went on a lot longer than the non-teaching staff. So this is really why it's came about. It's somewhat unfair just because of roles within the education departments um, have not been covered significantly and I do agree with them, um, but some unions have agreed and postponed, well, suspended their strikes and some haven't. Unison has not accepted the pay offer. They're not even considering it. Unite and GMB, however, have considered it and they are now putting it out to a ballot to all of their members. So all of the members for GMB and Unite are now back working and they have to come to a ballot and that's only a suspended strike for us at the moment for in GMB and Unite. The pay rise is depending on the hours that you work so it's not as clear cut as describing that so it really depends on what level it can be anything from about 6% up to 9%, but it really does depend on your pay grade of your role within the council. How have the strikes affected you personally this week? Personally, the strikes have affected me because my son has additional support needs and my son is in the one ASN school that is within our council area. We reached out to the Unison Union for comment, but they failed to respond. Now we have a package of the First Minister's questions. Conservative leader Douglas Ross and Labour leader Anas Sarwar had the same message for the Scottish Government today at the First Minister questions. Cancer treatment is not good enough. Douglas Ross was up first telling the story of two patients who turned to private healthcare in England after waiting too long for cancer treatment in Scotland. This week, Margaret McCall from Lanarkshire described her ordeal when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She faced a three-month wait for NHS treatment in Scotland, and Margaret didn't know if she had that long. So she used £27,000 of her life savings for faster private treatment in England. 
Sarwar followed up on Ross's criticism by pointing out that the Scottish government had failed to meet the 62-day pathway and that a Freedom of Information request revealed that some patients had waited over 300 days to be treated. Every cancer delay raises the chance of avoidable death and that's why patients should be diagnosed and start treatment in 62 days. But the FOI request has revealed the dire reality for too many patients. Some cancer patients have waited 191 days for diagnosis and treatment. 191 days. A cervical, patient, cervical cancer patient waited 217 days. A prostate cancer patient waited 334 days. And there was even a cancer patient that waited 385 days for diagnosis and to start treatment. You can't blame somebody else, somewhere else for that. That is the SNP's record. Over a year of anxiety before getting the help those cancer patients needed. So why can't the First Minister see what many on his own benches can see, that the SNP have lost their way? First Minister Hamza Youssef defended the SNP's record, arguing that the people of Scotland have put the SNP in government over the last 16 years because they trust the SNP with Scotland's public services. The second portion of the FMQ is focused on the Scottish Government's record on sewage outflows and the number of outdoor waters in Scotland that are fit to bathe in. Yusuf was accused of not taking the question seriously about Scotland's outdoor waters and that it was not being addressed in a fast enough manner. Yusuf argued with the claim saying that SEPA, Scotland's Environment Protection Agency, had done many tests to safeguard the quality of outdoor water across Scotland. And finally, have you ever wanted to live like an ogre? Well, now you can, as DreamWorks fan favourite Shrek will vacate the swamp this Halloween. The Swamp Home, located in the Scottish Highlands and operated by the Ardvariki Estate, is available for a free two-night stay between the 27th and the 29th of October. Three fans of the film, aged five and over, will have the opportunity to secure their place with the estate taking bookings from October 13th at 6pm. Airbnb has also said that it will make a one-time donation to Hopscotch Children's Charity, which provides respite breaks to some of Scotland's most vulnerable and disadvantaged youngsters. To find out more on any of today's top stories, you can head to en4news.com. This has been Jessica Stark and Miles Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. Live from Edinburgh, Radio Napier, News.